Hey, what's up? It's Jared. I wanted to talk about my weight loss journey and the five habits that I've identified that have kind of helped me actually lose weight when I've been struggling for so long to actually make that happen. Now, I was really fit and in shape in my teen years. Of course, most of us were. Um, I was fit because I did a weight training class and I worked out a lot. I was able to run a decent distance. I was just very active in my teen years. Then as I got into my 20s, I started working I, uh, a lot more. I had my business. I, my eating habits went downhill because I just didn't have time. I was always eating out pretty much every night. Fast food, soda, energy drinks, all of that stuff. And it was all just building up in my system. And of course, I was gaining weight. I was getting more lethargic. And then as I got into my 30s, my activity decreased because I had kids. I was around the house a lot more. I was working and then I was around the kids. And so I just didn't have the opportunity to go to the gym. I couldn't get myself up early in the morning anymore to do that. And so my activity levels went down. Uh, and of course, I started eating a little more healthy because, uh, you know, my wife and I decided we didn't want to eat out all the time. We knew that wasn't a sustainable lifestyle. So we would eat at home as much as we could. We would try our best to eat somewhat healthy. Uh, and then, of course, we would eat out from time to time as well. So uh, my eating habits got a little better in my 30s, but I had already accumulated that weight and other things came into play, such as stress and anxiety. Those things got a little bit more real in my 30s. And the idea of what I should look like and how I should feel was getting further away from reality. Like I had the idea of how I should feel and what I should look like and my physical, uh, you know, the weight shouldn't be where it is. All of those things were based off of visions of younger me and not current me. And so I had to get over a lot of things too. My 30s were definitely a challenging time for that among many other things. And then of course, as I got closer to the end of my 30s, I started actually looking at my behaviors, figuring things out and getting more outside of myself rather than being led by maybe my emotions and just the way I was feeling in the moment. So I definitely struggled to lose weight. Um, most people would say, oh, you didn't look like you were that overweight, but a person my size, according to like the BMI scale, should probably be like around 175 pounds, which I think is totally bogus. For me, if I weighed 175 pounds, I'd probably look sickly. Um, I'm more of probably uh, ideal around 195 pounds. I'm definitely maybe a little bit more muscular in areas, and that has a lot to do with the fact that I worked out a lot in my teen years and my development years. And so, um, but I was up to 245 pounds at my heaviest, and that's much more weight than I should have. And it was weight in a lot of areas that was not only visible, but I could feel it, and it was pulling and uh, affecting other parts of my body as well. And I wanted to work on those. So the challenge, of course, was figuring out exactly how to make that happen because I would get in these binges where I would go back to the gym and I would work out really hard and I wouldn't see any difference. Nothing would change. I would start eating differently, like eliminating a bunch of things that should be bad for you. So I would eat differently in that way, but I wouldn't see any results. And so I was getting really frustrated and it was uh, you know, upsetting and I knew that I needed to figure something out. So the first thing that is probably the biggest one here is my relationship to food. That is a habit that I had to get under control. Of course, I talked about not having good food habits in, in the past, but my relationship to food and how I consumed it, what I consumed, when I consumed it, 
and even where I consumed it needed to change. And, you know, I, I would snack a bit and snacking definitely was something that affected me. Of course, that's uh, it's helped that I've been intermittent fasting for over a year because it closes that window. I know that I can't snack in the morning for sure, and I know I can't snack after dinner uh, or I break my fast. So I have a smaller window. But even earlier at the beginning of when I started doing this fast, this intermittent fasting, I would snack. I would basically utilize that window and eat anywhere that I wanted to in there. And so I was basically doing the same thing that I was doing before, just in a smaller window. So I was giving my body more than it needed, and of course, in duration and both content, uh, and that was causing problems, and, and I, of course, I wasn't seeing any results because of that. So I had to stop snacking. I needed to have a lunch and a dinner and maybe something light in between. Of course, I'm listening to my body. I'll talk a little bit more about intermittent fasting uh, in a second here, but I had to stop snacking. I also needed to stop binging after workouts, which definitely made it easier considering that when I do work out, it's first thing in the morning and I don't eat until lunchtime, so that definitely helped. But one of the things that I used to do in the past is after I would work out, I would come home and I would eat a lot because I worked out, I just burned all these calories, I was sweating, you know, I did all this hard work and now I'm hungry, so I want to eat. And in reality, like I didn't burn that many calories. I did work out. I did get my heart rate up. I did, you know, do some hard work, but I didn't really burn that many calories. So I was putting in more calories than I was getting rid of. And so by working out in the morning and not eating until a little bit later in the day, that has definitely helped me through that process as well. Eating healthy even when eating out was a tough one for me, especially as I became uh, a, a family man. I have a wife and kids, and we started going out and eating together as a family. Nothing is a bigger bummer than taking your family out to dinner. You're paying for the food. Everybody's ordering what they want, and you have to scale it back and order something that may sound kind of lame. Not only is it uh, hard to do that just for yourself, but the waiter or waitress is probably going to be like, that's it. You know, and people around you are going to look at you and wonder why you're not eating the way that they're eating. And so it took me a while of taking my family out to dinner and telling myself like, no, I'm either not going to eat at all here because they don't have anything that I can modify and, uh, and, and fit what I want to be eating or I'd have to order something that was just completely bland. So when we'd go out for Mexican food, everybody else is ordering burritos and quesadillas and all that good stuff, and I'm ordering plain rice with some grilled chicken on it, and that's it, because I can't add anything else to it. And so that, that just became something that I had to get used to, and I had to be okay with that. I also had to stop cleaning my kids' plates. <laughs> a lot of times I'd eat my meal, my kids wouldn't finish their meal, and so I'd eat whatever I wanted to off of their plates, so I was definitely consuming more than I should have. So eating healthy even when going out, you don't have to just scrap everything. I mean, my family is not on my path or on my journey, so I could not put my eating habits on them. They needed to do what they needed to do, and I needed to do what I needed to do. And yeah, it's a bummer. I still had to pay for everybody's meal that was more expensive than mine because mine was basic, and I still had to go to all the places that they wanted to go because it has the foods that they want to eat. I couldn't put 
my journey on them because all it was going to do is frustrate everybody. I've definitely tried to do that in the past, especially with my wife. And then if I didn't work for it, I didn't deserve it. And that's something that I've definitely uh, been challenged with. In David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me Now, he talked about not giving yourself something that you didn't work hard for and how he wouldn't do that for himself. And that's how one of the ways that he lost weight. If he didn't put in the work, he didn't deserve it. And I really believe that. I mean, I don't go buying things if I didn't work and save up the money or have the money to pay for it. I mean, we can do that with a credit card. We can go and buy things, put them on a credit card, but then we end up having to pay interest. And that's what happens when we eat a bunch of food that we didn't work hard enough during the day to burn off, we're basically storing that in interest that we're going to have to pay back because that interest is technically fat growth and whatever else and uh, becoming lethargic and all the symptoms that I was feeling were as a result of the way that I was eating and the lack of activity and stuff like that. So uh, I definitely, if I don't, if I didn't work for it, I don't deserve it. And I've slipped many times with this because a lot of times we do just slip into our comfort. But I have to remind myself that if I didn't work for it, I don't deserve it. So the next habit was consistent activity. That was definitely not my past. I would be an all-in or nothing kind of person. I was either going to the gym every day, seven days a week probably, or I was going zero days a week. It was an all or nothing. I'm a very like schedule-oriented guy, I guess you could say. And so if it's not consistent, I fall off the horse on it. Just doing things here and there from time to time or whenever I feel it is not really going to work out for me. I need to make sure that my routine for the day is fairly consistent. And that means setting goals that are actually achievable. A lot of times I would set these, I'd say, okay, I'm going back to the gym and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then I couldn't make that happen. I, it wasn't scalable at where I was at. It was either too much work for where I was at in my process of getting back into the gym. It required too much time, or I just I wasn't I wasn't setting myself up for success by not going to bed early enough or whatever. But most of the time, it was me setting goals for myself that were too high and unattainable. And then when I fell off the horse on that goal, I wouldn't get back on. I would stay off and allow that just to be something that I couldn't do. And, and there goes that goal. And then months and months would go by until I would get frustrated enough to want to jump back on and try it again. But I've realized that I need to just... I need to show up and I need to try and that's it. It doesn't matter what the result is going to be. I just need to try. My uh, goals, of course, were to build stamina and strength in the areas that I felt weak. And so that started with getting on the treadmill and walking and jogging and trying to build up to where I could actually run a little bit. Um, that you know showed me that I had some areas in my body that were a little tight that I had to go get worked on. And stretching needed to become a bigger deal than it used to. And so there's lots of things that came because of that. And I'm not necessarily like lifting weights hardcore like I was in my teen years and in my early 20s and maybe even a little bit into my early 30s, you know, just showing up and lifting weights and leaving. And I'm a little bit more oriented towards cardio now. And people will say one thing or another versus cardio and weightlifting and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. But the reality of it is, is that I just want more energy and I'm working on regaining that and loosening tendons and muscles that, get, that have gotten tight and atrophied a little bit maybe over the years. And that means just building up strength and stamina. Uh, and then I'll get back into doing more weightlifting and stuff um, when my body is ready for that. 
So any activity is better than none. I, I mean, sometimes we don't go because we don't feel at our peak, but we could have gone and done at least something. So many times that I woke up feeling maybe a little sore or lethargic, not sore from the previous day's workout, but just sore for whatever reason, and I just stay in bed instead of getting up and going to the gym, or even just getting up and maybe going into the front room and doing some push-ups or whatever. I just stay in bed. And then you do that a couple times in a row, and then you, you get in the process of just not going, and you've completely gotten that out of your routine, and now your routine is sleeping in or not going to the gym, whatever it is. For me, the gym was much easier in the morning than in the afternoon or the evening because of work and my family. So intermittent fasting has definitely been a huge one for me. It's limited the amount of intake time that I have during the day, which has been the biggest thing. If I limit my time in which I can take food in, then it limits the amount of time that I can make mistakes. And as I mentioned earlier in the video, it, even when I was intermittent fasting at the beginning, I would just eat everything that I would have ate outside of that in that window. So I was eating much more than my body needed still, and I wasn't seeing results in my intermittent fasting. And I think I may actually make a whole video on my intermittent fasting journey because there are so many people, including myself, that started out intermittent fasting, wasn't doing it right, wasn't seeing results, and then they stop. And so thankfully I kept going and I, uh, I did see some benefits from intermittent fasting. It wasn't weight loss until later on when I really started figuring out how I needed to implement intermittent fasting with my body and the, just the way that I that I am, both physically and even just mentally, because intermittent fasting is a little bit mentally uh, of a mental game as well. So one of the things that I did though is that my first meal of the day, so when I eat uh, lunch essentially, because I don't eat breakfast, um, when I eat lunch, that meal needs to be super healthy. And for a while, I actually just made that meal a cucumber and an avocado, which sounds weird and is definitely not uh, enough food to get me through the day, but I would break my fast with that. So I hadn't been eating. My body had been in a fasting state for probably like about 18 hours because I was trying to get to 18 hours at least every day. And then when I actually gave it food, all I was giving it was a cucumber, a whole cucumber, and an avocado. So it was wanting uh, a lot of other things, and all that it could do was burn fat to get those things. But that is what I broke my fast for, and I didn't eat anything else for an hour so that my body had time to digest that and realize that if it wanted anything else, it was going to have to pull sugars and anything else that it needed from stored uh, places. And so when I started doing that, I actually started losing some weight. And most of the time, I didn't end up eating again until around 3 or 4 o'clock. I would have a little snack, maybe like some, uh, some cashews or some nuts or something like that, just to kind of temporarily satiate me. And then I would have a dinner, and I didn't pay too much attention to what I ate for dinner. It was usually whatever my wife or I were going to make for dinner. It wasn't anything super healthy. It wasn't anything super unhealthy, but I didn't necessarily worry so much about what I was going to have for dinner because I knew that I was in a big calorie deficit and I could eat probably whatever I wanted to within reason for dinner. And so that made the process really easy for me. The first meal that I gave my body was lacking 
getting a bunch of things that my body was used to getting in the unhealthy ways that I was eating in the past or through, you know, maybe I was eating healthy, but there were a lot of carbs. There were a lot of other things that I was uh, giving my body when I initially broke that fast. So when I broke my fast, it was a super healthy way. And then, of course, I didn't pay too much attention to what I was eating for dinner, which made it a little bit easier for me because if all I was doing was eating super, super healthy, it would get a little challenging. It would get old. Um, it would get annoying. I would miss the taste of things. I would probably crave things really bad, and it would just become challenging for me. So I definitely try to do that for 18 hours uh, every day, but I listen to my body. There are some days where in the morning I feel a rumbling, and it's not necessarily a hunger rumbling because I would sometimes get that, but actually like a, a feeling of discomfort, like maybe like an older feeling of like acid reflux or whatever. It is an acid reflux, but it was just a weird feeling. And I knew that I needed to maybe eat a little something. And so I would go grab like a handful of cashews or something like that and just put a little bit of something into my system so that my stomach would feel a little bit better. And I normally only have to do that maybe once a week, sometimes even less than that. But I listen to my body. I don't force it into anything because if I damage myself trying to do anything, which intermittent fasting shouldn't damage anybody, but if I don't listen to my body when my body's saying it needs something, then I, I can create another problem. And I definitely don't want to create a problem trying to resolve some other problem. So I also implemented the two-day rule, which is something that I've seen many times online and many people talk about, and I've read about in books and all of this stuff, and it really has to do with maintaining habits and not falling off the horse. And so what the two-day rule is, is a kind of um, ability to stay on track, and that means that you need to not skip more than two days in a row on something. So for example, if I had to uh, skip going to the gym for whatever reason on a Tuesday, and then that led to skipping going to the gym also on Wednesday for whatever reason, then Thursday I had to go to the gym no matter what. There was no way around it. I had to go to the gym, and that means moving my schedule around if I couldn't do it in the morning, doing it in the evening instead or in the afternoon. Like If I didn't do it within those two days, then the third day it had to happen, and there, there was just it was a strict rule and I had to stick to it. And there have been times that I've fallen off of that two-day rule, but sticking to that two-day rule is definitely helped me out in more ways than one. It's helped me out with eating healthy. It's helped me out with trying not to like have an alcoholic drink, which I don't drink much, but I typically would maybe have like a glass of wine multiple times a week. And so I would try to get on this path of the two-day rule. And if there's something that I'm trying to limit or something that I'm trying to make sure that I do all the time, I would implement the two-day rule. So I couldn't skip something for more than two days in a row, or I couldn't indulge in something for more than two days in a row also. And so that two-day rule has really worked out in a lot of different ways. Um, because, you know, showing up counts, the consistency counts, and having a limit in place or a guide in place to get you back on track also helps. And of course, that leads me into the next habit, which is tracking. Because if you're not tracking things, you're not going to remember how many days it's been since something. 
and you definitely need to see that visually in order to stick to it. If I wasn't tracking, I would. I is that one day or two days, or or oh, did I let that go to three days because I didn't have something visual that I can look at and I could already see those two days on the calendar or on my tracking, uh, and I I'd, I'd end up going a third day or a fourth day or a fourth month like I did in the past because I fell off the horse. So you need to find what kind of tracking works for you. I've talked a lot about how I've used Notion to track different things um, with my daily log and whatnot. Um, streak tracking works for some people because you know you continue to do things, you continue to build up that streak, and uh, I definitely got hooked on that for a while with the different streak tracking apps and being able to check it off, and it's like, you've just reached a 50-day streak. Awesome, that's cool, but... Then if you miss one or miss two because you're doing the two-day rule, it resets your streak and it's a little disheartening. And so what I ended up doing was just actually logging everything in Notion because I wasn't counting the streak per se. I was just looking for a uh, streak of no more missed opportunities than two days in a row. So streak tracking works for some people, especially if you're trying to make it a daily habit every single day. But keep in mind that sometimes when you have to break your streak, it gets frustrating because streaks typically start over at zero again when you break them. So figure that out. Also uh, decide like steps and reps uh, type of tracking. Like for me, I was tracking my steps to try and get back my ability to jog and run a little bit. I did that 20,000 steps challenge uh, in the end of November and into December for myself. And so I was tracking steps but maybe tracking like a certain thing like steps or a certain thing like reps or whatever at the gym isn't going to work for you. You need to track and start out with just tracking the fact that you're going and maybe the amount of time that you spend there. But figure out what it is that you want to track so that you can see consistent movement over time. And when you look back, you say, oh, wow, like I've stuck to it. Here's my, uh, you know, here's my tracking app or whatever. And it shows all the times that you have done the work because as that list gets longer, as that calendar gets more full with different marks that you have achieved over time, you're going to start feeling better and better about that. And even if there is one or two here and there skipped, it's not that big of a deal because you're looking at it and you're thinking, wow, I accomplished something. So tracking things definitely helps out a lot. You can also be competitive. There are a lot of different ways you can track your things and be competitive with others. I know in Fitbit, you can add friends and you can uh, you know, see where each other are at on the week and challenge each other and stuff like that. You can also do that with the Apple Watch. There are a lot of different fitness-related devices that you can actually challenge each other. And so if you wanted to do something with another person, you can actually just make it a challenge. Like, we're going to make this goal or I'm going to beat you this week or whatever and make a little competition out of it, and that may help you out as well. But you can't measure what you don't track. I kind of mentioned that earlier. If you're not tracking it, you can't measure it. And if you're not measuring it, you're not aware enough most of the time to see how many times you've skipped or whatever, have something to bring you back on track when you're looking at maybe one or two days of missed opportunities to uh, to go to the gym or eat healthy or do whatever it is. So when I started measuring and tracking things, I was really able to get a visual on what I was doing, where I was lacking, and that really helped me become more self-aware in the things that I was doing that were derailing me originally.
So some closing thoughts. Don't hold yourself to unrealistic standards. That was something that I definitely did. I was holding myself to unrealistic standards I wasn't going to be able to meet because those standards were based off of young me, and they were also based off of me that didn't have a family and so and a job that was what it is today. So there were a lot of things that were different. I can kind of go and do whatever it is that I wanted to at any time because I was the only person that I had to be responsible to. And so I can't hold myself to the standards that I did in the past uh, because that was me with all sorts of ability to do whatever I wanted. Whereas now I have to be a little bit more structured because I have other people in my life that are important to me. Be okay with minor setbacks. Like I said before, the minor setbacks are not a big deal, but they do become a big deal if you continue to allow yourself to be set back that way, which means tracking really helps because you can see the setbacks when you're tracking and you're much more aware sooner of those setbacks before they become new habits that are bad or you fall off the wagon completely. You definitely don't want to do that. Don't require everyone else to be on your journey. This is your journey alone. I talked about this with the food thing. I was always forcing everybody else to adhere. And when they didn't want to eat healthy like me, I'd get frustrated. When they didn't want to be more active like me, I'd get frustrated. I am on this journey. And if everybody else sees what I'm doing and they want to start on that journey too, that's great. But I can't force people to be on a journey that I'm on, especially when it's challenging, when it's hard, when it's outside of the normal for everybody that you're around. It's your journey. You cannot force other people to do it. You cannot judge other people for not doing what you're doing. And so you have to make this about you and your journey. And keep in mind that everybody else is just fine where they're at doing what they're doing. Lead by a example, if people see the results that you're getting, maybe they will want to start doing what you're doing and they'll start asking questions, but you can't force anybody into anything because if you do, you're going to get frustrated when they don't want to do what you want to do and then you're going to end up falling off the wagon like I have multiple times in the past. Also make sure you communicate what you're trying to achieve with those that are important to you. So when I am trying to achieve something, I need to communicate that to my wife so that she knows that it's important to me. And I also need to communicate it to my kids. I need to tell them, hey, I'm trying to eat better, so I'm not going to eat this anymore. And then they won't offer it to me anymore. They won't even make it available or even eat it around me anymore. People will change their behavior when they're around you if they know what you're trying to achieve. So you have to communicate. A lot of times we end up getting frustrated because people are not, you know, uh, acting different because we have something that we're trying to do, but we never spent the time to explain to them what we're trying to do or what we're trying to achieve. So communication is also huge. So that's going to do it for this video. Thanks so much for checking it out. I hope that something that I have learned over the last year or so through really hard work and a ton of trial and error and making mistakes helps you with something. Definitely, if you have any questions about it or if you have any thoughts, share them in the comment section below. I'm all about growing together as a community. And so if you have some thoughts or some insights that you can share with me, I'm always open to learning new things. And if you have any questions about what I've done and maybe how you can better do that in your own life, I would definitely love to share that with you. But that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for watching and I hope to see you back in the next one.